T T T William, I um, I hear you. It's over there on the on the side. He's, well, maybe he's down now. I did see him though. I swear. Sorry, sorry, William. So just really quickly, I I think that uh, I actually love the taste. Like I I love the taste more than beer now. Right. Okay. <laughs> You're also a soda head, you know. Like we're, there's just certain things we're not going to agree on in life. I think that's fair. Uh, so, do you think maybe if if the squirrel situation is settled over there, we could we could get started on this puppy? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever you want to do, buddy. All right, <laughs> it's your show. I'm just living in it. <laughs> Why don't you welcome people back? Folks, you better welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I am your host, William, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation, if you hear us make a mistake, why don't you homo-correct us? <laughs> we are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things Nets Nation. But before we get into Nets Nation, Simon, I've got to ask, how the heck are you? <laughs> Good, William. We certainly haven't spent the last 10 minutes catching up as far as our listeners know, so <laughs> this is just a normal, casual interaction. Since last time we stopped recording our podcast, you and I have had no direct communications. We're totally cut off from one another. That's right. Let's get to the chitty chatty. <laughs> well, Simon, for me... You know, for for many in 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 the uh, the country, everyone has their. Geez, this is a bad start to this to, to this setup here. <laughs> okay, all right. Some people, Simon. Let me give this another shot here. <laughs> Some people out there, they they're they're uh, they're Christmas nuts, right? They get yes. together with the family. You have cooking traditions, opening the presents. Some people, they're Thanksgiving Thanksgiving nuts. They got to get the perfect turkey. They love gravy. They love stuffing. Uh, others are Fourth of July. <laughs> okay, you see where I'm going with this, right? Right. Then there are your President's Day nuts. <laughs> then there are your those Lincoln's are... Day nuts, and those people—they're out there. Those are those are weird. If you know a Lincoln Day nut, uh, uh, get get away fast. Um, <laughs> Then you got your mattress sale um, sort of holidays, right? Memorial days. You got your Indigenous Peoples Day nuts. Sure, yes. Uh, there's just there's just a million nuts out there. Yes, and that's uh, that's just the way of the world. I, Simon, <laughs> I'm an All Star Weekend nut. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've known that about you. I had no idea where that was going. Yeah, no, it was a truly awful, awful setup there. <laughs> um, anyway, it's All Star Weekend, mm-hmm. and I thought since in honor of All Star Weekend, we we sort of put together an All Star podcast for people. Perfect. Great. Well, we will eventually. I want to assure our listeners we will talk James Harden's Player of the Month honors. We will talk about the hottest player in the NBA, Nick Claxton, at some point in this podcast. We will certainly talk Kyrie Irving. We will certainly talk the inevitability of Blake Griffin becoming a Brooklyn Net. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've got mailbags. But first, Simon, 
We're going to bring it with some fun, fun, fun. And nothing says to me, and I know to you, fun, quite like taxonomic chauvinism. <laughs> so I've got to ask you, Simon, what phylum are you, Zar? <laughs> <laughs> William, phylum under. Oh, we got a good segment. <laughs> Species, family, genus, phylum. <laughs> Showing off your zoological categorization knowledge. Uh, yeah. Is that zoological, biological? Taxonomic, zoological, who knows? Let's just <laughs> delve deep. So anyway, czar, czar of fun, czar of themes. Yes. Please let our listeners know what we're going to get this show started off with today. Okay, folks, listen. Uh, we we all know that uh, Joe Biden has has put together a a diverse cabinet. Okay, the the press has lauded him for that. Uh, but there is a glaring glaring gap in that so called diversity, which is zero Neanderthals have been uh, <laughs> have been nominated for any cabinet position. Uh, and now we sort of get an idea why, okay? <laughs> Biden thinks that... Because big homo sapiens. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The I'm guy... paid for this administration. <laughs> That's right. It's a... It's a, it's a um, both parties take from the, from the sapien trough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, it shouldn't be Citizens United, Simon. It's Homo sapiens <laughs> species chauvinism united. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, folks. <laughs> this is a weird one, folks. So thank you for sticking with us to minute six so far. You've done a commendable job on your part. It feels like much longer. Um, but but <laughs> Biden has said that he thinks it's Neanderthal thinking to get rid of mask mandates and have any any kind of restrictions um, related to the COVID pandemic that is still killing close to 2,000 people a day. Oh, yeah, top 2,000 yesterday. Oh, boy. Yeah, right. So kind of over and done with. But there was a bo- massive, like a huge number of vaccinations are happening this weekend, basically, because of the Johnson Johnson release. Oh, amazing! Well, yeah, the number the number jumped like like doubled, I think, in the last two days. Huh? It does it does seem like that J and J could be a game changer? Yeah, I'm a J and J guy. <laughs> yeah, you're. It's no I mean, hell of you getting a J and J, buddy. <laughs> oh no, no! <laughs> I'm years away from getting one of these things. <laughs> um. But at least you're a sapien, so you'll you'll get it before the Neanderthal. Right. Before the extinct brothers of our past. <laughs> um, okay, and thank God they're extinct because if they were here to witness this sort of dis- disparagement. Um, right. So so wait, you did say what Biden said, right? Yes, he said that it was homo sapien thinking. Um, to, to, to do the the things that uh, various Republican um, No, uh, Neanderthal people. thinking. Neanderthal, what did I say? Homo sapien thinking. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Right. Neanderthal thinking. Right. Folks, we've got a theme coming up at the end of this. 
This is so, actually going to be a good and Nets relevant segment. And yes. It actually is, but yes. the setup has been catastrophically executed. Uh, yes. But here's the segment, okay? Nets Neanderthal moves. Um, so boneheaded moves by the Nets organization. And, William, I've also incorporated uh, one or two um, Neanderthal um, calls by, by us as calls? well. Just, oh, by you and me. Yeah, yeah, things we wanted the Nets to do that. Oh, I mean, I would have come up with one of those, but there aren't any as far as I'm concerned. Right, that's true. Well, I've, I've scraped the bottom of the barrel. Um, that's great, yeah. So basically, you know, to, to, to get out of the uh, rather tortured conceit that we've been hammering <laughs> this entire intro, we're going to talk about dumb moves the nets have made and again you know this team is great right now we're having but it's all-star weekend we're here to have fun uh but dumb moves basically in the past and i think you suggested in the future we think that they might make i don't have any future moves but i have oh i don't either okay great so just yeah just (laughs) things that we think the nets have done that are a little boneheaded and and you know i think there is especially a nets nation a certain reverence for Sean Marks that, oh, yeah. that um, even someone who very much respects, admires, uh, has a photograph with Sean Marks, um, such as you and me, uh, I get a little uncomfortable when, whenever anyone is sort of regarded with this much sort of blind, blind reverence, you know? And I think this is a, this segment, um, our Neanderthal thinking segment will be, will, will, will serve as a sort of corrective against the 100% Sean Marks. uh, Everything he touches turns to gold. He's a genius, et cetera, et cetera. Thinking he has some howlers in his past. Also, (laughs) Simon, I know no one can see this, but you're, video right now is a light bulb on your roof shaking okay (laughs) making me extremely concerned for what's happening beneath that light bulb because the shaking is of a sort of violent nature honestly Uh, all right right turned back on you thank you good to see your face um so yeah we're gonna just we're just gonna point out some things this is not to say uh to say that sean marks is a bad GM. He's obviously, I'd say, probably one of the top five GMs in basketball. He can't, he inherited a franchise that was, when we started talking about them, when this podcast started, literally the worst team in the league with uh, very few, if any, first-round picks. I mean, we're back there now. But, um, and, but just no <laughs> talent. Like, the best player on the team was Brooke Lopez. Yep. Um, and it was just a team going nowhere. And within four years, he has turned it into a super team with uh, uh, that we know today. And, and, you know, to an extent, love. It's still it's hard to love such a new team and such a different team than we've known. Um, it's sort <laughs> of like it like it was difficult for for Neanderthals to embrace their homo <laughs> sapien brethren in the plains of uh, the Fertile Crescent back in right. exactly <laughs> several like that. millennia ago. <laughs> Folks, you're not careful. You might learn something on this podcast. <laughs> so, okay. 
That only took us 12 minutes to explain <laughs> what we're trying to do. We are trying to talk about past Nets mistakes that we think are funny, interesting, worth discussing. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of overlap here. Uh, which I think is probably a good sign for Sean Marks. It means that there probably aren't a huge number of things he's totally fucked up on. But what, Simon, do you want to start with here? Okay, I am going to start with the Nets signing back in December of 2016 of Donatus Junis. <laughs> um, he was playing for—so I had forgotten the details until I just looked it up. But he was playing for the Rockets, but was was like out of their rotation and was suffering from some kind of injury. Yeah, playing uh, is is an inaccurate uh, <laughs> characterization of what he was doing right. for the Rockets. He was roster. rostered by the Rockets. Right. Totally, totally. But the Nets, right? And no, in fact, he wasn't right. He must have had to have been a free agent. I'm sorry. Right? Obviously, if you could sign it to him free, yeah. He it was like a weird thing where it was in the middle of the season, but he still wasn't actually signed. So. We signed him to a – he was a restricted free agent. We signed him to an offer sheet for $37 million over four years. Um, and uh, it, it, there was a whole thing where, like, he didn't pass the physical or, like, something happened where – no, they matched it. The Rockets matched it. Then he didn't – he didn't um, – he didn't pass their physical and then was basically dropped off the face of the earth. I have no idea what happened to him. But – um, he did not play in the NBA after that, that much is sh- for sure. Yeah. And, uh, we could have potentially committed $37 million, um, to a completely unplayable, um, injury nightmare. Yeah, no, I think we dodged a bullet on that. Safe to say, um, <laughs> definitely a big one. I'd say my first one, and I'm sure it's on your list, uh, Alan Crabb. Yeah. I think he's the most obvious, the most glaring of them all, perhaps the most traumatizing of them all. Mm. Uh, Alan Crabb was the first of the poison pill contracts that Sean Marks became famous for around the league, or infamous for, however you look at it. Um, And the the Blazers bit the bullet on that one, signed him to it, and then inexplicably... Sean Marks, I don't know, forgot that it was a trap that he had created for the Blazers <laughs> and decided, hey, maybe I should tra- self-trap. <laughs> and uh, so did self-trap and brought in Alan Crabb. Um, he, we all know how that went. We had to give up, you know, first-round pick and God knows what else to get off his contract. He contributed more or less nothing. We spent mm, at least a season, especially Simon, um, trying to talk ourselves into how he was going to be good somehow Mm -hmm. um, in spite of moments where he would seemingly out of nowhere just hurl a basketball across the entire court in a blind rage that foretold of a darkness brewing within that would manifest in TMZ videos and an eventual complete falling out of the league within three years. Um, but Simon, what for you was, was, were some of the, the Alan Crabb lowlights? Thank, thank you for asking. So, when I first sort of got a taste of maybe cr- the crab experience not being everything I, I thought it would be, because I, I, I must admit this also falls into the category of things I, I, at least I got wrong. I think you at the time were, were much more skeptical. 
Um, but I was all for this this crab signing. But there was a time when we went to a game um, with some some um, Trailblazers fans, and uh, and Crab was having one of his signature terrible games where he you know goes like one for eleven or something and gets nothing else. That's the great thing about Crab. If he's not shooting well, which is almost every time, he's doing nothing else for you. <laughs> Passable defense, but nothing else. Um, and, and I just yelled one of his misses elicited me a, a scream from me of just screaming like crab <laughs> and our, the Portland trailblazers fan turned around and gave me an incredibly knowing look <laughs> that they had experienced. They had experienced crab do that on a much, much lower, uh, number salary number. And still, you know, he was a quite frustrating player. Oh, big time. <laughs> Big time. Anyway, yeah, he's one of those where you're just like, yeah, you know, like Sean Marks has the Midas touch. <laughs> okay, explain Alan Crab to me. And now right. this is, the, I mean, it's totally unfair. I, this segment isn't to be like again. This is not to shit on Sean Marks. He's he's pretty amazing. And I and I do remember that year in fantasy basketball, uh, Claire was playing, and I told her to pick up Alan Crabb because I was like, well, if Sha- if like Sean Marks think he thinks he's that good, he probably is pretty good. So I mean, I have a lot of faith in the guy. The guy has done an amazing job. But even even the best at the GM game get, get some things wrong, and and Crabb was was really wrong. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so my next one is sort of a combo. It in- definitely includes crab, but his his it's a combo offer sheet um, sort of number, which is that every single player that he that he signed to an offer sheet. So that's Otto Porter. Um, DeJunis didn't even you know make it to another no. game. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Th- thankfully, modern medicine. Uh, Stopped us from allow- being allowed to do that. <laughs> Otto Porter, um, Tyler Johnson, who's still on our team, um, and am I missing someone? And Crab. And Crab. Crab out of the league as soon as his contract ended. Johnson, I really do believe, would have been out of the league if we hadn't signed him this year. A big time. Um, and Otto Porter, I don't know if you've been checking the old waiver wire, but his back spasms are here to stay. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a shame. He was legitimately good. He was definitely not worth the right. extraordinary contract that we totally. we made Washington sign. But Totally. No, he was not a max contract guy, but but is a solid, solid role player if his myriad injuries don't um, derail him. I still have hope that he'll somehow recover and we'll get him on a buyout, but... Um, you know, it's not looking great. Yeah. So that that was a desperate era where trying to sign RFAs was sort of the name of the game. We had very few other uh, ways of potentially getting talent onto the, onto what was then the worst team in the league. Um, so one thing that Sean Marks, I think gets a lot of credit for is his drafting ability, right? He got Ooh. Karis LeVert in the first round, uh, post-lottery. Uh, but he was, you know, if he remains healthy, which um, is a massive if, 
Obviously, he's never put together a fully healthy season. But, you know, he's obviously pretty good. Jared Allen was a great get. Nick Claxton, as we'll talk about later in this episode, was an extraordinary get in the second round. Uh, Perry, pretty into. Might talk about him later as well. So he's he's got a good drafting record. But I just want to bring our attention, because this is sort of a negative segment. I'd like to bring our attention back to the last time we had a first-round pick. And that was, <laughs> think way back, folks. Okay? There, there were still mastodons and woolly mammoths running around. Right. There were still Neanderthals. There were still Neanderthals, very much. Absolutely, or, absolutely. Australia had not yet been discovered. This right. is 2018. <laughs> And we picked with our first round pick, Janin Musa. Yeah. Now, Janin Musa, I have said some pretty slanderous things about poor Janin Musa. And a lot of them have been posture related, and that's cheap and unfair. And I regret having said those things. Um, but he turned out to be a very, very bad player. Uh, he is no longer in the league. We were finally able to get rid of him. But I just wanted to read a few names, Simon, of people who were drafted after Jean and Musa. Uh-oh. And this doesn't include Kurutz, who I think is better than Musa and st- is still on an NBA team. Yes. All right. Here are some names for you. Devontae Graham. Mm. Mitchell Robinson. How sweet would Mitchell Robinson be on this team right now? Very sweet. Uh, he's he's got one of the highest PERs in the entire NBA right now, actually. Um, Gary Trent Jr. of the Blazers, who's like a perfect three and D wing type of guy. Uh, Bruce Brown, Hamadou Diallo, Jalen Brunson, who is the backup point guard on the Mavericks, who closes most games. Shake Milton, DeAnthony Melton, Isak Bonga. All these guys are like good, playable, like. Yeah. Respectable rotation, if not starter level guys on NBA teams, all of whom were drafted after Jean and Musa. Jean and Musa, I don't know what happened in that draft, but Sean Marks got the Euro bug big time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I've said this before, but like there are tons of players like the, the, the Kings have like, I think like a, a, a glut of these times of players where like, even if they haven't put it all together and like, you can't, you couldn't say like, Oh, this person is really good. Cause like they have various other flaws or they're inconsistent or whatever you can see like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like if he can put like other things together, like he's got this, he's got athleticism or he's, he's really fast. Uh, he's great at blocking shots. He's good at defense, whatever. They have some discernible skill, right. right? That you're like, okay, that's an entry point into, into like a productive, good player. Um, uh, there was never that with Musa. I never understood. Like he was always bad at shooting. He was always bad at defense. He's not particularly fast. He doesn't make good. Dis- you know what I mean? There was like nothing good uh, about him playing. No, no. It was really just like, hey, with with uh, the most expensive medical team around this guy, will he one day fix his posture? <laughs> Not like- he didn't think he was going to do it this time, folks, but he worked one in. <laughs> right. 
Uh, yeah, no, that he was he was a bad bad first. That was a miss, a big time miss. And considering we'll likely never have another first round pick again, it's just kind of uh, all the more painful. Yes, absolutely. Who's your? What's your next? What's your next my, Neanderthal thinking moment? My my next one is I'm going to be specific with this one: the Torian Prince extension. Mm. Okay, now I didn't. I don't. I still don't mind that the Nets got Torian Prince in the pick with in in the trade with Atlanta. It's an interesting pickup. Like he was 23 or 24 at the time. He was on a bad team. She had shown he could shoot the three pretty well. Like that's. That's worth taking a shot on when the guy's on a rookie contract. Where I had an issue, I, I, I don't want to give myself too much credit, but I think pretty early on I was miffed by the, the extension because the extension happened before he had played a regular season game for the Nets. Um, it was for two years, and it was coming at, and right at the, the year where like the Nets knew that they were going to – try to make a big splash. We didn't know that they were going to be, you know, going for Katie and Kyrie, but we knew that because of other roster machinations that they were like aiming to have quite a lot of salary uh, cap space to, to throw around in the next off season. But they squandered a significant amount of that roster space on a Torian Prince extension on a player who you do have to kind of wonder why were the Hawks a, a team not, you know, swimming in talent at the time who were desperate to get rid of. Right. Um, so yeah. And you know, we all know again how that turned out. Um, we, we had to give away all of our draft picks just to get rid of him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, I am uh, joking there folks, of course, but, um, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but, it was, uh, you know, he's an anchor. And who would you I think say? Folks... Who would you say had a better tenure as a net? Um, Alan Crab or Torian Prince? Oh, I mean, definitely Torian, right? Because yeah. Torian, I mean, Torian Crab... still still getting. Ro- he's still on a team. Yeah, you know, I think Cleveland doesn't mind having him. Like he's rumored in lots of like. Uh, he's like a potential trade target, like a, a contender may want him for depth or something like that. Uh-huh. I mean, I've heard his name tossed around. He's not a complete right. disaster. No, no, totally. And he's he's not on a crab contract. That's the other thing. Like the con- extension is as as uh, boneheaded as it was, was nothing like the seventy two million dollar contract that crab was on. Okay. Um... How many more of these do you have? Uh, I have a I, lot, but I can also just do like a, a, a runners-up thing at the end. We don't have to do all of them. I, I have like one more. Okay, so I'll do one more as well. And why don't I do a, a more uh, contemporary one? Sure. So I think I think a lot was going on in that Harden trade. Right. I think that the the Nets uh, were manipulated a little bit by Houston. I think that I I am a believer in the theory that Tillman Fertitta basically said, there is no way I will allow you to trade. um, I will allow you to trade James Harden to Daryl Moore's team in Philadelphia. So I think that Houston, knowing that, was able to 
not let Philadelphia know that and use that as leverage and manipulate the Nets into thinking they had to give up all that they did in that trade um, to get James Harden, even though Philadelphia wasn't a realistic rival for James Harden because he was never going to be allowed to go there anyway. So anyway, I think that a Neanderthal move in that trade, um, done under duress, so I sort of understand why it did happen, uh, but I think a Neanderthal move in that trade was that we did not get P.J. Tucker mm-hmm. in it as well. Mm-hmm. So P.J. Tucker is a guy who clearly isn't going to be on Houston long term, doesn't want to be on Houston long term. Um, and you know, could have easily been packaged in for the massive haul that they got from us and Mm -hmm. is now one of those guys who is rumored to be desired by us and every other contender, you know? He hasn't had a great season. I don't know. I don't know even necessarily that I want him that badly, but I think the idea of P.J. Tucker and who he he has been historically is a guy that would very much help the Nets, right? Like a gritty, smart defender uh, Mm -hmm. who can stretch the floor and shoot a three. Um, And he would have been a, a good fit and for considering the fact that we gave up seven first round picks, I feel like we could have maybe asked them to package a guy that they clearly didn't want anyway into the, into the package. So I think that that was sort of a, uh, a bonehead to use, I guess, an anatomical chauvinistic term, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a bonehead move. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I am my last one is is just a sort of general um, theme which Nets fans will 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 know well, which is um, Sean Mark's complete aversion to the stretch four. Yeah, or just a uh, four position forward, in even general. A four. Yeah. yeah, a, a traditional a four. A traditional <laughs> four. Yeah, yes. any type yes. of four. Anything right. that could, in good conscience, be called a four. Um, the guy has, has never, it's always like the last person he signs is like someone who you can kind of squint and say is a four, like, um, Jeff Green, like where it's, or, or, or David Nwaba last year where it's like, okay, you're, this is to the tail end of free agency. I'm signing you to a minimum contract and you're not really a four. Here you go. You're a four. Um, like, and you're going to get a ton of minutes right. because I haven't signed anyone who, as ill-fitting to the four mold as you are. I haven't signed anyone even close to, to what you are. So you're our four. <laughs> get ready for big time minutos. Um, see you later. Quincy AC, you know, you go <laughs> long. There's so many, so many bad fours. Uh, I, Dante Cunningham, who I actually thought was pretty good. Right. Quincy but, AC, that is, it's still too soon to bring up his name on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, that guy was, he was so bad. He was so, so, so bad. And he played a ton on the Nets. He played Including a ton. Serious crunch time. Trevor Booker was good. Trevor Booker was good. Yeah, he was right at the twilight of the four who can't shoot threes. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's out of the league this time. <clears throat> yeah. But he could board. Yeah, he was aggressive defend, on defense, and, and he could he could yeah. he could get down and dirty to, <clears throat> and near the bucket. Yeah, totally. 
Uh, can I give you a couple runners up? We won't go through them quickly. Um, I mean, we won't go through them in depth, rather. Uh, Shamit, obviously, an issue. The Sadiq Bay trade kind of yeah. kind of hurts. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is an all-time Neanderthal mm. move. Yeah. Why four years? Why four years? It just do it. <laughs> Two years with a team option for the third year. Who else? Was, what was he going to say? No, I'm going to go somewhere else and get more than forty fucking million dollars. <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm going to stop myself before getting too into that one. And then the final Neanderthal thing, runner up. Uh, the way the security is set up to let people into Barclays Center. Great, is, great. Uh, yeah. Totally agree. Look, look forward to seeing how like things like vaccine passports, etc., are um, woven seamlessly into the already cumbersome entry um, process. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for enduring our. I don't know why we felt the need to. I guess sort of shit on Sean Marks, even though he's <laughs> again arguably the GM of the year, right. if not the century. Uh, love you, Sean. But. Yes, he's, too, no one is infallible, I think, is the point of that. that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. We, we take a critical eye. It's the same way that, you know, j- journalists should always be skeptical of those in power, should always be trying to, uh, you know. Right. We don't dig- live in a, in a Manichaean universe. It's not good versus evil here, okay? There's nuance. There's some good and evil in all of us. Um, there's a little bit of evil or Neanderthal or whatever you want to say in, in Sean Marks. Yes. All right, so Simon, let's go to headline of the week. Hello. Hello. It is James Harden, named Player of the Month for February. First net to do so since 2007. Simon James Harden has been incredible. His name, he's not exactly at the MVP table, but he is at the adjacent table. Right. Like, I don't I think that there's no chance he could actually get the league MVP because of how he got out of Houston and how that left a a bad taste in the mouths of, um, you know, elite pundits such as Bill Simmons and other people who think uh, players should just, uh, you know, grind it out on the same team for the rest of their lives. Anyway, uh, James Harden has, has had an incredible run on the nets. He led. Brooklyn to a nine, Eastern Conference best nine and four record in February, averaging twenty five point six points on forty nine point one percent shooting from the field, forty two point nine percent shooting from three, eight point eight rebounds, and an East leading ten point seven assists. He has eleven double doubles and three triple doubles in February. Simon James Harden, Player of the Month, should he be in the MVP conversation? Yeah, I I think so. <clears throat> it's also weird to me, William, to uh, to to think about like stars as like MVPs because we we haven't had a star on our team and and uh, you know I mostly pretty much just watch Nets games, so I'm like, oh, is this what a star is normally? Like this, I thought this was just what a star does, but like if you look at you know to to, to the point, like there are lots of stars who are not putting up those kind of numbers. Um, and not leading their teams to um, the kind of record we, we've had, which has been fantastic, you know, seeping into March as well. Um, 
So, you know, I, yes, it's it's a thrill to, to see it. Um, he is a really exciting player to watch. He um, has gotten DeAndre involved as our, our uh, mailbag coming up, what we'll touch on. Like, I think he is – He I agree with our um, guy that he, he has, like, if you want to say that's leadership or whatever, like, he has, he has lit a fire under um, DeAndre, who's playing much better now. Um, yeah, he gets everyone involved. Uh, Bruce Brown is thriving under him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like he, he quint is the quintessential makes other players around him better, which is not maybe that was always true, but that was certainly not the narrative around him. No, he's a he's a tremendous regular season player, and I think he has put this team on his back and is leading us to who knows we could end up overtaking we're half a game back from philadelphia right now it's totally conceivable that we end up with the best record in the east and that's just not something that's possible with um katie and Kyrie this season because those two guys just you cannot rely on them to be playing whereas james harden is an iron man he plays in every single game (laughs) and he brings it every single game and it's pretty remarkable yeah. Yes. Definitely. I pray. Pray for that man's safety in in Houston. Please don't party too hard, James. We love in you. Buddy. In Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Um, so we're gonna do a quick new sub segment, Simon, called "Damning with Faint Praise." <laughs> oh, great. Uh, so Steve Nash also won Coach of the Month, first net coach to do it since 2014, when Jason Kidd did it twice, <laughs> which I have written after that. Uh, Yikes. <laughs> so talk uh, about your boy again, uh, for listeners who aren't aware, Simon was a huge, uh, Suns fan back in the day. And, uh, in particular, a huge Steve Nash fan. So it must feel pretty good to see your guy get coach of the month, but how do you like that Jason Kidd as coach comparison? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it shows that, um, a, a month doth not a coaching, a good coach make, <laughs> uh, but, but, um, you know, and we, 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 we've delved into some criticism of Nash. I know the timeout thing is constantly brought up. Um, it, it's, it sometimes seems like he's just kind of letting things just sort of play out without much active managing. But, um, I do think he deserves credit for things like the, the Bruce Brown emergence. Like that is a really creative, interesting way to use Bruce Brown credit, of course, to Bruce Brown for actually being the person who's playing well, but it is a truly interesting way of using him. And and it reminds me of when, um, uh, Boris Diaw with the Suns. It was just sort of like a cast off from the Hawks and they like put him as like this, like basically like a stretch, like one of the first stretch fours. Um, and he was like incredible. And it was like a, no one had ever seen like this version of Boris Diaw. It's the same thing with Bruce Brown. Like, no, I, I don't think anyone really had any idea that a six, four guy could be being the role man in a pick and roll with such incredible success. Um, and, you know, there, there's other there's other, I mean, you know, again, the J- Jeff Green mm-hmm. using him, um, the switching defense. There's, you know, there's pluses and minuses to every defensive scheme. 
Um, but he's gotten players to buy in. Like they're clearly at least trying now. You know what I mean? It's they don't have a great defense still, um, but they like understand it and they're clearly like going through it. You know what I mean? It, it's like a commit. They're committed to to this scheme. Um, so I think he deserves credit there. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, hard hard for me to to say yet. I don't think I, I think I think the Jason Kidd having won it twice in that twenty fourteen season is telling, you know, like new coach with superstar team is if they start doing okay and winning some games, you're gonna get that prize. But I think that it's a it's a Pyrrhic victory, right? I mean, hopefully not, but it, it doesn't mean a whole whole lot yet. Uh, I think it's way too soon to tell whether or not Steve Nash is a good coach. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's really fair. I, I, I will say, like, you know, we, we've lost, like, one game in the, the last, like, month. So so that is, that is you know, that's quite good. No, it's, it, it certainly is quite good. And as you say, it is on the backs of... Players who were not thought to be, you know, very good NBA players playing completely new roles that when you're watching these games on the broadcast, the announcers are just in awe of what's happening with with um, with Bruce Brown, with Nick Claxton, with Jeff Green, as they should be. Those guys are are hugely helpful on a team that other, you know, you could look at on paper and would say like, Oh, that team has no depth beyond their three stars. Yeah. But they are actually, so, you know, yeah. Uh, finding how to use players in, in, in like meaningful, impactful ways is obviously a, 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 a skill a coach should have. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to talk nets, bigs, Simon. Okay. And I want to do it under the umbrella of a new segment that I'm going to title the DeAndre Jordan replacement watch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we are tick tock, tick tock. Uh, We are watching out for any and all signs of life from any player on the Nets who you could, if you squint, call a big, whether it's six foot three Bruce Brown or <laughs> Jeff, you know, historic small forward Jeff Green or whoever it might be. Um, we are looking in every nook, in every cranny to try to find someone who can eat some of DeAndre Jordan's minutes. The guy should, he should be a hype guy on the bench, you know, do his little Jared Allen, brush his shoulders and eat lice out of his hair or whatever he was doing. That totally bizarre (laughs) pregame thing he was doing, which was (laughs) obviously meant to psych Jared Allen out, who, by the way, Jared Allen is having a completely massive breakout now that he's on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know I bring this up almost every episode, but it is it is jaw dropping what he's doing now that he's actually given the latitude to be the starting star center um, on a team. Anyway, first guy we got to talk about, Simon, as I said in the intro, one of the hottest guys in the league, Nick Claxton. Yeah. Only played three games, <clears throat> averaging 10 points, 3.4 rebounds, an assist, and 1.4 blocks. Has a staggering 29.7 PER in those <laughs> games, Simon, which would put him behind 
two players in the NBA, Joel Embiid and <laughs> and, and uh, Jokic. So, are you willing to say here at minute forty three of maybe next time on March sixth, two thousand twenty one, that? Nick Claxton, second-year center out of Georgia, I think, um, <clears throat> is officially the third best big man in the NBA. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy is incredible. The guy can do things that Jokic and Embiid could only dream. Let's see those two switch on uh, to the on perimeter players the way Nick, Nicky C does. Right. So you sent me a tweet, and a Simon sends a tweet subsection. Of uh, Nick Claxton playing good <laughs> defense, right? Yes, that's right. And it seems to have really caught your fancy. You've, uh, I know we don't talk between podcasts, but were we to have spoken between podcasts, I would say you have spoken quite a lot about uh, <laughs> Nick Claxton being able to guard someone that's not just a big. He's extremely mobile out there, uh, uh, guarding guards, guarding, guarding anyone on the court. I think he can guard one through five really competently um how are you how are you feeling about the guy i completely agree there's one there is one um (laughs) exception to that for me and that is um centers uh (laughs) (laughs) but honestly like because he's still quite lanky but honestly he is he is a revelation it's three games like you said he's he's only played about i don't know i think maybe fewer than 20 nba games in his career so I, I I'm getting ahead of myself. I know it. I can't I can't stop myself. It's incredible. Switches like as as well as almost any player I've ever seen. Like it's such a valuable, especially with the way the Nets' defense is structured. It's so valuable to have to have somebody who can who can stay with guards like that. Who is also, as you just pointed out, with a 1.4 blocks per game, still a good rim protector. Um, like, and pretty good offensively. I mean, I think better, better, at least in this stage in his career than, um, Jared Allen was at, at this point in, in his career. So like I, I, uh, offensively. Yeah, I mean, he could put the ball on the floor. That's something, you know, one thing that drove me crazy about Jared Allen and, of course, DeAndre Jordan is they'd get the, the ball at the, the top of the key and they would never dribble right they would right. just stand there and either do a handoff or a terrifying pass to someone that would either get intercepted or not help the offense in any any substantial way um nick claxton can dribble the ball i mean he was yeah. a point guard for much of his life you know i i i think it's way too soon to tell of course and uh, but all of the basically fantasy hype that I was doing before Nick Claxton started playing, you know, my my visions of him being the great savior at center for this team, um, at least in three games, appear to be be coming true. Um, yeah. and, and, and even bigger, you know, national podcasts. I know Brian Winhurst talked about him on his most recent podcast. People are noticing. He's very yeah. exciting. And the thing is, like, if you do want to be more conservative and 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 kind of reel it in, I think you 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 can say I am comfortable saying like, do I think he's the answer to Joel Embiid? No, I think he would get crushed by Joel Embiid, especially in the playoffs. But 
I think that in the regular season, getting a guy who can give you 15 to 20 solid center minutes, that means you don't have to play Jeff Green at the five, you know, and wear him down, don't have to put DeAndre in for that long, um, means maybe you won't be so devastated if you don't get a, a Drummond or something at the buyout market. Like, that is still critical. Even if you want to say, which I think is totally fair to say, like, you know, the, this guy is not like a star. He's not going to be extremely helpful in the playoffs, right? Like, I would be very worried about having him play significant minutes in the playoffs just because, you know, there'll be – he's still kind of doesn't know what's going on out there, totally understandably. Um, but, you know, it's a great thing to have, at least in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm willing to say – Nick Claxton has a floor of Zion Williamson and a ceiling of just slightly better than Giannis. Yes. Um, it's incredible that we got him with the 31st pick in the draft. So uh, hats off to Sean Marks, even though, again, we spent the first 30 minutes totally trashing the guy. But, uh, yes, yeah, so that is that that could prove to be his his best pick. I mean, if you consider that like Karis Levert and Jared Allen who are better than him, um, were picked earlier. Right. Um, speaking of another, another late pick, another late pick. That's a big, uh, Reggie Perry killing Mm -hmm. it in the G league, 18.4 points, 8.1 rebounds, 3.2 assists shooting 55, 0.8 0.8 overall, 44% from deep. Steve Nash quoted as saying he sees Reggie Perry as a three-point threat going forward. He's now been called back up to the Nets because he's done with the G League bubble. Simon, are we going to see Reggie Perry compared to this Nets lineup? I I don't know. I, I don't I I think if DeAndre gets hurt where Claxton gets hurt, yes. But I do – I am still kind of of the mind that Reggie Perry is probably not an NBA player right now. Um, I, I am tantalized by the three-point stats. He, he did tear up the G League. There's no doubt about it. But I did – we did just, you know, watch him and he, he just – he's just not he, – he, I, I, I don't think he's – you know, in terms of rim protection, in terms of like knowing where to be on defense, he's just a little, he's green. Again, he's a 50 something pick. It's his first year. Totally understandable. But I, I am a little wary of giving him too many minutes. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like by the season's end, Claxton and Perry will have taken all of DeAndre's minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cla- Claxton hopefully will take some. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all I'm all for Perry taking more of his too. Um, all right, final big we got it, final Nets big we got to talk about Simon is soon to be Net Blake Griffin. <laughs> um, he's averaging a career low in points. He's shooting thirty one percent from three with an effective field goal percentage of forty five percent. That is. Uh, Karis Levert level bad on the EFG, <laughs> 10% below league average effective field goal percentage. Uh, I believe this is the first season of his career, except for the one where he was injured for the entire year with a knee injury, that he hasn't dunked, which he's, is sort of his signature right. uh, asset. 
Um, apparently, according to, you know, the Woges and the Shams of the world, he is the apple of the Nets, the Lakers, and the Celtics' eye. Uh, do you want Blake Griffin to be a Net, and do you think he will be a Net? I don't really want him to be a net. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not like, um, adamantly against it, but I just like, I, I and mean, I will also say I have watched zero Blake Griffin. Uh, You're not getting down on, on the 10 and 20 Pistons <laughs> games right now. No. And, um, but any article you read, read about him includes the first five sentences at least are about, all the things you've just said, like he's not good anymore. He has no athleticism as, as Kevin Pelton pointed out, he's now like below average athletically, um, by NBA standards. So if you take a guy who was known pretty much exclusively for his athleticism and good passing, um, and take away all of that athleticism to me, you do not have a particularly great player and also he's one that like unlike a shumper or something where like you pick him up and you you drop him in 10 days like who cares like he's a he's a you know the star pedigree he will demand to to he will he will cause some problems if he's not getting playing time like he gave up 13 million dollars um to be on a contender and i'm sure he does not want to be on the bench so like you kind of have to play him yeah i I'm. I wanted to be a a, a Blake believer, yeah, a a believer. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, because two years ago he was he made All NBA. He had a great yeah. season in Detroit. But everything I've heard about this season, and it could you know he could just not really be trying very hard on a Pistons team that's god awful. Yeah. Yep. That's what you do um, with like PJ Tucker, like you said. Right. And so I don't I don't want to like completely write him off. He's a he's a great player. I think he's a historically great player, but if the decline in athleticism is real, um what are you getting? He's like a, a decent passing four? You know, because he's never been yeah. he's never been a, a a very good defender. No, um, and he's not even like a, a Dudley style defender who like can't move but knows where everyone should be and can sort of right. like do some crafty stuff on defense. Like, That's just not what he's known as. Yeah, terrible rim protector. Yeah, definitely not. He's. I mean, he's never. I think his the most blocks he's ever averaged were were point six a game. Yeah. So yeah, no, I I don't I don't really see the fit, but I also don't want to be the idiot who is like, you know, don't go after a whatever he is six time All NBA guy, you know, mm-hmm. like I I think it's probably true what everyone's saying that like it's over for Blake Griffin, but I also it would also suck if he went to say the Celtics or the Lakers and had, uh, you know, anything that even resembled the Blake Griffin level season. Right. And, and I, I will also say to, to, um, Steve Lichtenstein's point that he made on Twitter, like it, it isn't like the Nets have a lot of good forwards. Um, you know, like TLC, 
you know, your, your, um, Shamit's like, there, there are minutes to, to be had for someone who's even like remotely productive. Um, which he has, which he, he could be. And it certainly size is something that the Nets, um, could always use a little more of. All right. So I guess that brings up the, yeah, the question, do you think he will be a net though? I guess so. I mean, I feel like the, the, the people in the know seem to be saying that. Um, so I guess I would be somewhat surprised if he's not. Okay. Well, let's what do see. You think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of don't think so, but whoa, how come? Um, because I think that, and this is one thing I really like about Sean Marks. Um, I think that if you hear a lot of noise about something with the Nets, it never happens, right? The only things that ever happen are the things you don't hear about. And since we have heard so much about this, I just can't imagine that it's actually going to come to fruition. Yeah, okay. So, we'll see. Um, all right, let's move on to a very, very, very brief segment, I promise, Simon, called um, Something I Love About Kyrie. Oh, great, okay. So, I feel like I have said a lot of things, uh, a lot of mean things about Kyrie um, in his time here, I just never really had faith when it was just him and KD that Kyrie would be sort of consistent enough of a player to be worth um, sort of completely organizing your team around. But I think that in his current role, which is like third option, he's off ball, you know, if we have him, he's a huge bonus. But if we lose him because we have Harden and KD, it's not the end of the world. Um, I think he's, you know, pretty great. But that's not the thing I love about him. I, what The thing I love about him, Simon, I, when I was watching the game on ESPN the other night, what the hell game was it? Uh, oh, the Rockets game. Kyrie really doesn't complain to refs. Right? And that yeah. that is so rare in the NBA and almost <laughs> non-existent among, among superstars in the NBA. Like, every single whistle is a massive reaction. You know, we see it with Spencer Dinwiddie, everyone from Spencer Dinwiddie to, to James Harden to LeBron James. Like, every single person reacts like it's this massive scandal that they could have potentially fouled someone right. or anything. And Kyrie is really stoic out there. Yeah. Um, so I like that about him. And I just wanted to bring up uh, like a feature of his game other than like his transcendent de- offensive abilities <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that, I, that I enjoy about his persona and like, you know, the basketball self. Totally, totally. Now, now I, I yes, two, two things quickly, um, folks. Folks who listen to this podcast know that we talk a lot of shit about Kyrie. I do think it's good to point out quickly that he's averaging 27.2 points on almost 50-40-90 splits, um, better than 50%, better than 40%, and 88.7% from from the line. Um, so that's unbelievable really uh, in, in 26 games. But um, – uh, and then the second thing is we, we talked about like trade value. I guarantee you that trade value has gone up. Um, I don't think it matters much because I don't think he's going anywhere. But um, Oh, yeah. I mean, a couple that, months ago, we are like, he's untradeable. 
Like no yeah. team would touch him when he was out for his personal leave. Right. Um, I, I, but that shows that. how stupid many of our takes are. <laughs> I will I will cut that from the final final edit of right. this. Don't worry. Okay, exactly. okay, let's move on to the mailbag because we are running long, long, long on this one, buddy. First mailbag, Simon, is from listener Luis Torres. Always good to hear from you, Luis. Thank you. For sending this one in, he said, "Is Andre Drummond uh, a refurbished PS5 with two controllers for five ninety nine ninety nine, while Blake Griffin is an iPhone six for ninety nine ninety nine? If you could compare other players with items that could be found on Groupon, so Simon, our yes. task, if we choose to accept it." <laughs> is to compare a net to a Groupon deal. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. I thought I I haven't dabbled in the Groupon waters in a while, uh-huh. um, and I remember it being more of an experience based sort of offering. You know, it'd be like you know you Ooh. and seventeen of your friends can go to an Indian all you can eat Indian buffet for you know thirty dollars exactly, or something like yes. that. Um, so that's more what mine's going to be, not like, uh, uh, like more of what I would say is like an eBay thing mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. like one product. So my, my thing, Simon, is going to be you and 20 of your friends can go to the, to baseball. You can drink Cyclones game for a hundred bucks, right? So each of you is p- pitching in five bucks right? to go to an all you can drink Cyclones game, which sounds amazing. Right? Yes. Um, we did it one year. It was okay. Um, I mean, right now it would be the most <laughs> amazing thing ever. But you know that inevitably if you get 20 people and they're only paying five bucks to go to this thing, several of them are going to drop out. Right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to go all the way out to Coney Island for a baseball you can drink. Plus, the baseball you can drink event is held in the back where you can't even see the game. There's like a weird child's playpen nearby. Uh, it's yeah. only for a limited time. It's often, you know, they only play in July, so it's super hot. Um and, yeah, you're just missing a lot of people. So what sounds like an amazing thing ends up being kind of uh, Bubsville. And so after my my I Love Kyrie segment, I'm going to make that group on Kyrie Irving. Okay. Because it yeah. sounds great on paper, a cheap all-you-can-drink experience. But once you're there, uh, none of your friends show up. You're super hot, and there's just like a little playground that you feel like a creep sitting next to getting drunk. Yes, I am. Yes, exactly. I I feel, I feel similarly about a lot of Groupons. There was a time where Hillary and I basically lived off of group. Like it was like, what are we going to do? I don't know. It depends on what Groupon is telling us to do. I guess we're going to go to the new Abacus Theater in which we get to play with antiquated mathematical machines. Exactly, William. Exactly. So. Along those lines, I'm going to say that doing an archery, taking an archery class, is <laughs> is signing Blake Griffin. It's like, okay, I don't really think I like this, but I don't know, and, you know, I've never really gotten the opportunity to have a Blake Griffin or take an archery class, so what the hell do I know whether it's going to be good or not? 
Yeah, perfect. That is perfect. <laughs> um, our next one is from mailbag from Matt Parker. Great. Uh, subject: Two injury-prone stars, one totally inexperienced coached. Um, just gonna read a little of it. We had two injury-prone stars who both missed most of last season, then traded our entire future for a third star and put it all in the hands of someone who never coached so much as an AAU game, added in our medical staff, uh, which despite multiple claims about how great their reputation is, in the league ranks 25th in the league over the last five years. And what could go wrong? Simon, that jumped off the page to me. The the medical staff ranking 25th in the league over the last five years, because as we've talked about many times, they are lauded more often than Sean Marks. (laughs) And certainly less deservingly than Sean Marks. Certainly less deservingly. So what did, what did you think about Matt's, uh, Matt's email? So I just want to commend him first and foremost for the excellent research uh, to, to to uncover that smoking gun right. uh, on the medical staff because you and I, as you said, we 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 give our our opinion, but we we didn't dig. You know, we're not gonna we're not your investigative podcasters. We're we're kind of your hot takers sitting on couch for an hour yeah. and give we're, you we're our, the, our we're thoughts. the Stephen A's of Nets Nation. Ex- exactly, we are the first take and. Um, Matt Parker is the, um, I don't know, David Zirin or something. How about um, the, uh, the Zach Lowe? Yeah. I mean, but Zach Lowe doesn't do, like, deep reported. He doesn't do any blockbuster, like, you know, bombshell things, right? He, he's, like, friendly to the league. He's he's not, okay. he's not okay. disrupting narratives, I see et where you're going. Okay. Yeah. But a- anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, thank you, Matt. Um, because that is critical info, and like I also feel like it, 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 it speaks. We also just have not heard very much about the medical staff like these days. You know what I mean? Like it's like, oh yeah. Um, well, Kyrie didn't really want to do any of our stupid like bio tracking stuff, so I guess that's I guess that goes from like being revolutionary and something that only our astronaut on staff could have thought of to something we'll throw in the trash because Kyrie doesn't want to do it. Like it's not actually all that impactful or important. Um, it's just a lot of gimmickry and hokum. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just don't have you ever used the word hokum before. Hokum. It's a lot of hokum. (laughs) It's bull hokum. (laughs) Um, it is bull oakum. <laughs> I mean, it's outrageous. And let's not forget this latest scandal that 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 Matt is is in part alluding to the the, the botched um, Kevin Durant thing, where he's now I don't know if you saw this, but he was described by Malika Andrews as working with quote unquote his physiotherapist, oh, or I don't Jesus. know if that was the exact word, but it was like a his person. Right. And so it sounds to me, this is just conjecture, Matt, could you do my work for me um, and <laughs> determine this, uh, if this is actually true? But it seems to me like he probably saw that, was like, oh, you guys totally misdiagnosed this. Fuck you. I'm going to, you know, go to my people. Right. 
No, it's it's really scary too about the KD stuff. I mean, I don't think anyone has. Uh, people were saying maybe right after All Star break he'd be back. I don't know if that's at all. You know, like there's nothing that signals to me that that's the case. No, I would say the opposite. Because they the only thing they are committed to is debt was definitely not before, and then they said he would be reevaluated. So, I yeah, it's it's the scary stuff. It's also like. Steve Nash saying, like, he's definitely going to be back this season. Like, okay, well, you've kind of scared us by giving us that desired, like, comforting thing. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, don't worry. It's not going to be too horrible. Oh, I didn't know it was going to be horrible at all. Right, 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 right. It doesn't look that bad. Yeah. Oh, I thought it looked good. Right, exactly, exactly. Um. All right. Well, thank you for the questions. If you, listener, at one hour and eight minutes in are interested in submitting a question yourself, hit us up at maybe next time at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter or Instagram. Simon, final thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh-huh. Dinwiddie Watch. Oh, okay. Lots of rumors, lots of rumors, lots of rumors. <laughs> Where's that Dinwiddie going to go? <laughs> so, where is Dinwiddie going to go? I, I don't know. Do you think all... he's going to go? That's, I guess, that's the first question. I do. But I've been saying that for, like, at least a year. Um, so, I guess I just, yeah, but I still think that um, I, I don't really know how valuable the contract is of a totally injured person who will be a free agent next year. I know that the thing is like, Oh, you'll get his bird rights, but, um, you know, he's coming off a quite serious injury. So it's not even totally clear that you would want those bird rights. And it could also mean that he picks up his, his player option. And if he picks up his player option, it's probably because, um, he's not fully recovered. Um, and wants to take the, the sure thing with the with his the last year on his contract. So I don't know how valuable it is. I am hoping that it could be spun into a, a PJ Tucker or a, or a Drummond or something of that nature. But I'm not expecting it to, um, you know, be a real game changer. Speaking of Dinwiddie, his uh, brother-in-law, uh, Andre yeah. Roberson. Yeah. Whew. Man, I want the best for that guy, but uh, not seeing a lot. It's not jumping off the off the screen for me. I totally agree with you. I would say I, thank you for bringing him up. God bless him. I know we both were excited to to oh, sign him. He was a hot target I, on this podcast. I I feel like he is as bad as advertised on offense, mm-hmm. but, but I have not seen any indicate like, he's like, Oh, he's locking him down. No, I that agree guy. completely. I'm, I'm just <laughs> focusing too on him on defense and they're putting him on the other team's best players, but the other team's best players are just scoring. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, he, he's, it's, it's early and give him some time and hopefully he can play himself back into shape. But, Early, early results, not that promising. No, no, I, I, I completely agree. Okay. 
Are you watching the All-Star game? Oh, it's tonight. It's like right now. Oh, um, I don't know. It depends what we're doing tonight. But... <laughs> yeah, I do want to watch the Elam ending. I love the Elam ending. I hope at some point in the NBA's future, they very seriously consider adopting it. Oh, okay. Uh, because I think it just, I think so much needs to change, and this we will not go into it because we are already probably at our longest podcast ever, maybe next time podcast ever. Um, I think there are so many tweaks that need to happen to the game right now. Like, <laughs> I know a lot of people are are fired up about the um, the endless play reviews that happen towards yeah, the end of yeah. games and just. Oh, God, it's interminable. Um, but one thing that would make fourth quarters endlessly more exciting would be something like the Elam ending. Nobody wants to watch a chess match of win and win not to intentionally foul at the end of games that take that make 30 seconds take an hour and a half, you know? Right. Um, so hopefully one day we can get to something like that. But, uh, yeah, all-star game tonight. We have three players in it. Um, Kevin Durant apparently drafted far worse than LeBron, according according to our fellow um, Stephen A. Smith pundits out there in the world. Um, <laughs> but he did pick his boy Kyrie first, and then uh, Harden as it was the first reserve that he picked. So, yeah. Um, okay, Simon, it's been wonderful podcasting with you today. Would you? recommend that if someone is still with us here at one minute and one hour and 12 minutes in that they, I don't know, throw us a review. Please review us with a nice, a nice way in a nice way. Um, wherever you get your podcast, that would really be helpful. Um, and, uh, if you want to send us your thoughts, your questions, your comments, um, your deep dive investigative work, um, on theories we've spouted without evidence on this podcast, maybe next time at gmail.com or at maybe next time on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much again to, to Luis Torres, Matt Parker, all of our lovely, great, um, uh, listeners out there, IRL, Jay Z. Uh, we really appreciate you. Thanks for listening. <coughs> Thank you for listening. And we will go ahead and see you. I was tired of my lady We'd been together too long Like a worn out recording Of a favorite song So while she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read If you like peace